Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Ephesians 5, 1 through 21. What is love really all about? Clearly, that is not a question that only Christians are concerned about. Everyone wants to talk about love. Everyone wants to sing about love. We read books or watch movies where a theme in the story is love. But what is love really all about? And like so many other things, we have to admit there is a great amount of cultural confusion. We live in a world that doesn't really know what love is. But if you are a Christian, you should know what love is and you should reflect that love towards others. We're going to start Ephesians 5 today, and we'll break it into two parts, and the second part that we'll look at is really all about marriage. And as the old song says, love and marriage, they go together like a horse and carriage. We obviously are going to be thinking about love when we talk about marriage, but we're going to see love comes up in this chapter way before we get to marriage, and it comes up in a way that should affect way more relationships than only a marital relationship. So we need to understand what does God say about love and what does that really look like in our lives? And what we will see is understanding all of this should lead us as Christians to live in a very countercultural way. So let's start here at the beginning where it says, therefore, and again, this is following up on everything we've seen in Ephesians because of all the riches that you have access to in Christ. More, more immediately here, this call in verse 32 of chapter 4, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Uh, we, we see in verse 1 now, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So you, you think in some ways of how sons sometimes aspire to be like their fathers, or as the old saying goes, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, so many times without aspiring to, or even intending to, sons imitate, sons reflect their fathers. It's just how things work. Well, you are a beloved child of God. You should imitate your heavenly father. Well, what's that going to look like? Verse two, and walk in love. Oh yeah. I love that. Walk in love. That sounds good. Well, now we have to come back to that question. What is love all about? As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And again, we're going to see how this is so countercultural because I think the culture really seems to make love about what makes me feel good. I, I love what makes me feel good. And then specifically, if you apply this to more romance, well, I love who makes me feel good. 
That's just not how Christians should really think about love. Love is about giving yourself up for someone else. Love is about sacrifice. So obviously, maybe your mind is already going to, well, he's going to come back to that very theme and how he talks to husbands about how they should live towards their wives. They should love and give themselves up for their wives. But here we should see that is also just the call on Christians in general. We are to love and we are to give ourselves up for others. That is not the world's message on love. So you need to even just think through what are the relationships in your life? Again, family may come to mind, friends, church relationships. This connects to what we talked about at the beginning of chapter four, bearing with one another in love. Are you prepared to sacrifice for the people around you today? That's what you should do to imitate your heavenly father. Next, we'll see how, again, our culture, when we talk about what is love really all about, well, there is obviously a link between love and physical intimacy. And our world often, I think, confuses love and lust. And we see as Christians, we are to live very differently. Verse three, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. So the world is run amok with sexual immorality and impurity. And here we'll see this again in Colossians, sexual sin is linked with covetousness and then later, you'll see this even in verse five here, it is linked with idolatry. We live in a world of idolatry where people want what is not theirs. And one symptom of that is sexual immorality. When you lust after someone to whom you are not married, you are coveting what is not yours. You are committing idolatry. When you watch pornography or pornographic scenes in a TV show, or when you commit adultery or you are unfaithful or even premarital sex, you are longing for or taking something that is not yours. That is covetousness and that is idolatry. And there's no place for that among Christians. And verse four says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. And many times, unfortunately, when you look at what the world considers to be humorous or what it considers to be comedic. I mean, how often is the punchline or the content really about something sexual in nature? Uh, God says, no, Christians, that's not what you should say to get laughs. That's not what you should be laughing at. You should be different. And he gives a reason why for this in verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And even just the phrase there, let no one deceive you with empty words should clue us into what well, people are going to try to deceive you with empty words. People will try to downplay 
the consequences of sexual sin. This is not a big deal. You Christians are too puritanical. You Christians need to lighten up. No, the wrath of God is coming towards sexual sin. And maybe there's lies you're even tempted to tell yourself, well, my sexual sin won't really hurt anybody else. Well, even that is not true. And even if it was, it wouldn't negate the fact that, well, it's going to hurt you because the wrath of God is coming. And so then we see a call that we are to not be a part of this darkness, but we are to live in the light. I love how it puts it in the end of verse 8 into verse 9, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. We as Christians should be leaving behind the, the questionable and the sinful things of the world and pursuing what is good, what is right, what is true. That is what I want to make the pursuit of my life all about. And so we're not to take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And so that's where I want to give, again, practical encouragement to those of you who, if you're reading this, you're saying, well, there is some level of sexual immorality and impurity in my life. I want to strongly encourage you to bring those things into the light. Now, the world they're kind of proud of many of these works of darkness. In fact, they they celebrate many works of darkness with the word pride. But for many of you listening to this, you, there may be some element of sexual sin in your life, but you know it is wrong. And so you are not going to be proud about that. You are going to seek to keep that in the dark. You're going to Work to keep that a secret. You don't want anyone to know about the impurity in your life. Well, and some of that may even come from a right sense of, I'm ashamed of this thing. But those works need to be exposed. And I would strongly counsel you to find a brother or sister in Christ, uh, brothers for men, sisters for women, obviously, and confess what you are struggling with. Bring that sin into the light. Don't just struggle alone in the silence. Let the light choke out that sin in your life. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let the light of Christ in to the dark areas of your life. And then we see in verses 15 through 21, a general call here, we live in evil days. We live in times where love is not understood. Sexual immorality is promoted in our society. And again, notice how relevant the Bible is. And again, maybe we should also take stock of there are real challenges in our culture, but we are not the first to face real ethical, immoral challenges in the culture around us. And so we need to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. And the first application of that should be, I need to not be participating in the evil. I need to walk in love. I need to walk carefully and circumspectly and wisely. I need to not waste my time on the foolish and sinful things of the world. And then it gives us another practical application of that is I'm not going to get drunk. Drunkenness is prohibited for Christians in this chapter. Do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. I live in evil times and I'm not going to 
partake in the drunken, immortal, immoral partying of the world. Instead, I want to be filled with the spirit. I want to pursue what is good and right and true. And here we see, well, what is being filled with the spirit look like? And I'll just drop a hint here. What we're going to see in Colossians chapter three, uh, a list very similar to verses 19 and 20 here in Ephesians five, but there, instead of saying, be filled with the spirit, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So what does it mean practically to be filled with the spirit? Let God's word soak your life. Let it saturate you. And then you will address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there, as we see these things, I hope we see as a Christian I should be living differently from the world. I am out of the darkness now and I am into the light. So that means I should be walking in love, which is going to mean sacrifice for others. I should be walking in purity, rejecting the immorality around me. And I should be walking in wisdom, letting the word of Christ control me and not anything like alcohol or drugs or other things that would seek to intoxicate me. No, I'm rejecting those things because I want to live filled with the spirit. The world needs to see the light of Christ. And one of the ways the works of darkness will be exposed is they will, it will be exposed by Christians walking in the light. So I hope that helps us understand a little more about what love is all about but also that it just shows us what the Christian life and walking in light should look like and helps us to walk in that light today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.